0: sensorial with Eunice, a portal to Asian diaspora creativity and healing. I'm your host Eunice KS and welcome to this week's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and follow the journey on Instagram and TikTok at Eunice.ks. Enjoy the show. So I am very excited to introduce you to my friend and special guest today. He is a musician, singer, songwriter, and producer born and raised in Flushing, Queens, New York. He likes to say that he is a soft musical Korean boy who is looking for his country. And if anyone is a fan of the intro music, he is the artist behind this music. So grab your water, grab your journal. It's my pleasure to welcome Wesley Ruger Han, also known as Uga. Wesley, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Good. I pulled a card for you right before this conversation. And I pulled the same card for you last week when we were doing somatic healing together. And it's called The Ever Unfolding Rose. (laughs) It shows a woman whose head is leaning back with her arms wide open, her chest open to the sky and like a huge rose is unfolding out of it. And it basically says to let life crack you open, to serve as a reminder that you are safe and you are held and that everything is going to be okay. So, Wesley, given what's been going on in your life recently, what's coming up for you?
1: You sent it to me before we started this call, and I was setting up, and I forgot which song it is, but Kanye, he just released it on his Donda album. It goes like, We're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. And, you know, like just those lyrics, that meditation, that affirmation, you know? And so that's what came to mind as I was looking at the card and it's interesting like I feel like a lot has transpired just in the past 12 hours and I have a friend who was telling me that his wife is this amazing astrologer and he was looking at my chart and he was telling me that as I follow the guidance of the higher power source like universe higher consciousness whatever people want to call it things will unfold for me as I take it day by day. Just this morning, I was thinking... Last year, around this time, I had set out to start and release like 52 songs in 52 weeks. Like I was trying to be really ambitious and try to show consistency. Attempt to showcase my artistry and what I can do as a musician, as an artist. Like what is my message? And in about 14 songs in, I was like just so tired, burnt out. Yeah. And for like multiple reasons, like family-wise. Like friends, money, love, everything. Life, <laughs> yeah, every yeah, life, life. Um, and it's been so crazy. I released a song on February fourteen called "Puttsfly." P u t t s u h f l y. It's a play on words with like butterfly, and I really thought at the time, oh, I know what I want to do. I know what my message is. And I I feel like I can recall every month, maybe every week, just like change, 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 change. Mm. And with the card that you pulled, life is like a rose unfolding and it's gonna be okay. I really think that has truly defined this past year where I thought, oh my God, like I can't wait to blow up. I can't wait to reach the stars. I can't wait to be in like the viewership of every person. And, And now I'm thinking whoa, like I need to prepare. (laughs) I need to settle down. I need to lay… I need to look at my roots, like pull out the bitter ones, reorient myself, plant properly. And with all that being said, I decided this morning, I'm going to release an acoustic album. And I don't think I would have ever considered doing that. Like that's how far I viewed guitar. And even three weeks ago, I had a friend over and I was looking at my guitar. I said to him like, oh, I forgot I was a guitarist. Even though I've been playing the guitar since I was 10 years old. And so, yeah, just in the past 12 hours, like a lot has been happening mentally.
0: Yeah. And it seems like you're more and more like surrendering to that ever unfolding rose, that ever unfolding journey of letting things unfold in the divine timing instead of that Capricorn rising, coming in strong, like (laughs) trying to get to the stars ASAP. Um, I definitely feel that too, in terms of, I actually just watched a Vox, you know, those Vox episodes on Netflix on time. Mm. And it talks about space time. And we don't need to go all the way in today about space time. I want to
1: hear hear (laughs) you talk about it actually, because my intuition kind of like, it's related to Capricorn. Actually. So, yeah, please talk more about it.
0: It's also related to Capricorn for me, too. I actually woke up to a text from a friend. I had been talking to her about breath work. We're both facilitators as well as people who really benefited from somatic healing and breath work. And I was talking to her about how my open throat chakra is not only talking about activating my voice, but really about embracing my truth and. The throat chakra is the chakra of manifestation, of truth, of communication. And I think back to my whole life, basically, like struggling to communicate, accept my own truth, and then express that truth to others. And it has to do with Capricorn because I think the idea of success or making it, if you have these grand plans around like elevating the vibration of the planet, like big, big, things, right? It's like, I think we're raised in a society where we want to achieve that as soon as possible. And yet if I didn't go through what I went through, just even the last three years, then I wouldn't be, I I just wouldn't have worked. Like I literally bought podcast equipment in 2017. So four years ago, thinking that I was going to do this, but I'm so glad that I let it unfold the way it did. And I'm starting it now because what would I have said then? Like without having done the tending to the roots, the soil. And someone was talking about how when you're like gardening, I I don't really know too much about gardening, TBH. But um, (laughs) what I learned is that the soil, the nutrients, like all of that stuff is actually the majority of the work that determines whether or not the plant's going to grow successfully. And the plant actually grows pretty quickly once the soil is tended to with the right nutrients. So this is all to say that this has been definitely on my mind. And it's so cool to see that trusting your ever unfolding journey, your rose, it's led to decisions or realizations about your new album release in ways that you wouldn't have anticipated in the past.
1: Yeah, I think that whole analogy of tilling the soil and preparing it. And my dad, like ever since I was in middle school, like. We always ended up renting houses that had really big yards, but like a small house. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I remember grabbing a shovel, like plowing to the ground, turning it, and then helping him to like level the ground and make like rows for him to plant things. And there's this guy named Jason Upton, who is this Christian, very spiritual, very connected guy that, and he creates like very meditative music. And I used to listen to his music all the time 10 years ago and like meditate to it, cry to it, meditate to it, pray to it. Like allow the words to really sink into my soul. And, you know, I would quite literally change because of his music. And Mm. he has this one song, I think it's called Garden Song. And it's like this 10 to 20 minute kind of like contemplative, meditative track with like really simple drums and just him on the keyboard. And he says, you can't create a garden unless you're willing to let your hands bleed, unless you're willing to allow your hands to get dirty. And like, unless you're willing to bring your hands into the dirt, into the soil of the earth. And that interaction of like the dirt getting into your nails. And especially when it rains the day before, like you literally smell the soil. And Mm -hmm. it's really interesting that you bring that up too. This is going to be an interesting conversation.
0: (laughs) I know. Every conversation we have offline also turns into something else that we did not anticipate. The analogy you brought up reminds me of um, no mud, no lotus. We think about how sacred the lotus flower is and how ever unfolding, how infinite it looks, how holy it is. And literally without the mud, it cannot grow. And for me, like 2020... I mean, my whole life, but 2020 had been like a big tilling of the soil moment where, you know, I started seeing a therapist. I was working with like all kinds of guides and coaches and everything. It allowed me to heal some of the wounds and really get in touch with my spirituality and my body. And I feel like right now where I'm at with my own season of life is that I'm growing and it's so cool to be in this season and accept this. It's so much easier for me to go into growing mode because of all of that soil tending, nutrients, all of that stuff. It brings me back to the bio that you shared around being a soft, musical Korean boy who's looking for his country. That, for whatever reason, is on my mind because I feel like there's this childlike, Nature to that statement. Can you tell us a little bit more about the creation of that and why is this boy looking for his country? What does that mean?
1: So I know the evolution of my bio because I'm changing it all the time on Instagram. Like I'm changing it from originally, it was that I'm just a Korean boy from Queens. Like that's all I am. And so that has evolved into a soft musical Korean boy from Queens looking for his country. But number one, I'm soft, and I've recognized that for a long time, and not that I tried to be hard, but I have always acknowledged that I have a really soft interior, and I've noticed this since, since I was super young. When I would be at these like Protestant Christian revivals in middle school, I remember like there would be hundreds of kids, maybe like 150 and the worship band is like playing the songs and stuff and I remember it's a song called Lord Let Your Glory Fall by Matt Redman and it's like Lord let your glory fall and then boom like my emotions my heart chakra literally starts opening up wow and I start like crying and like I'm about to start bawling I'm thinking like God I don't want, I don't want to cry here <laughs> um, I don't want people to notice me like and so that's that like softness yeah um Really being in tune with my emotions, crying and being emotional, being in tune with like when I watch Disney movies or movies that move my heart.
0: Ever since you were little, you were like that?
1: Yeah. Like when I was three to four, my mom and I, we went to like this Christmas play and they're doing like these puppets talking about how like Jesus died. And she told me that I crawled up to the front and we came back home that night and I'm like laying down next to her and she said, I start crying and she's like, Oh, why are you crying? I said, Oh, because when I think about Jesus dying for me, like I get sad and I start like crying more and she's thinking like, who is this kid? Like he always prays about jajangmyeon or like Power Rangers. <laughs> what, what happened? And so I feel like I've always been emotionally sensitive to things, to people and with uh, who's looking for his country. So this Korean boy that's looking for his country. Back in August, I decided to go into country music as my main genre.
0: Which is unexpected, by the way, from a a soft musical Korean boy from Queens.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, it is very unexpected. But when I decided to go into country, or like my my heart and my mind both like synced, it just kind of clicked in that... I have all these songs written on piano and acoustic guitar that don't necessarily fit into mainstream pop at the moment. Like I said earlier in the conversation, I tried to step away from guitar completely as a musician, as a producer. I didn't know how to fit it into my musical profile, my brand, if you will, my artistry. And I was really stuck with it. But with country, I realized that the question I'm really asking as an Asian-American, like a second generation born to like first generation parents is, where is my country? Like, I'm looking for my damn country. Where is my home? I was a sociology major in college and then an Asian-American studies minor as well. And so around that time, I started writing all this music about the Asian-American experience, writing songs like Mama Papa, where I'm saying... Mom, Dad, like, you're coming home so late. I'm hungry. Mom, Dad, this, like, language, culture, it's driving me crazy. And I just want you. Um, and then in my other songs, like, "Call Stranger, I'm asking, where's my home? In a land of many colors, in a dream not my own, is a distant illusion a false cornerstone. Like, I was very nihilistic, too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, just trying to investigate home, and back then more particularly it was as an asian living in america through the lens of christianity as
0: mm-hmm. well so let's talk about that because you've mentioned jesus and christianity several times you know before we even talked specifically about church or spirituality because i think it's such a big part of your journey your your story who you are and so do you identify as Christian or how did your spirituality evolve and how did that influence your music path?
1: Hmm. So something I was thinking about this morning was actually my history of guitar. I started playing music and guitar in fifth grade. I asked my mom for a graduation gift. And in fourth grade, I promised God, like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a pastor so I remember like going to Friday service with my mom every Friday. We would go by like 8 o'clock p.m. She would finish by 10.30. I end up playing with like the high school youth group kids. And I'm in elementary school at the time. Or in the gym. And we finish. We go to 7-Eleven. She buys me a Slurpee and a hot dog. And then we go home. Okay. Um, so that was like my ritual every Friday. Okay. Wow, I'm getting emotional. Because um, my… That was like a safe space for me and my mom. We grew up, me and my mom, my sister grew up under the influence of very difficult situation at home with my grandmother, like narcissistic basically. And so for me growing up, being with my mom was definitely like me being at home. And I remember her position, her stance, she's on the floor like praying, like praying in tongues and this Christian spiritual thing where the Holy Spirit gives you this ability to speak in a different language that's this direct connection with God. So that's what the gift of tongues or Another way to call it is glossolalia. So that was my history. And then I remember every Friday, I would see the pastor singing and playing guitar. And so I thought, oh, I need to play guitar. So I actually picked up guitar, not because of a love for music, but rather a more functional element. And it just seemed cool for some reason.
0: What do you mean functional element?
1: Like functional as in if I'm going to be a pastor, I assume I need to be able to sing and lead people, a congregation or like a gathering into song.
0: So you started playing guitar and you started doing music because you wanted to be a pastor and you thought that was yeah. a good job requirement. <laughs> yeah. How did your mom feel about that? So she's super Christian. So when you said you wanted to be a pastor, I'm assuming she was very happy about that. And when that changed to musician, did her opinion change?
1: No, she was really proud. Like She was proud that I wanted to be a pastor, that I wanted to be a minister and I don't think it was so much about preaching God's word. It was more so embodying God's love. And so, yeah, she was definitely proud of that. And I think for that reason, like she always felt like Wesley's going to be good. So yeah, like it was a functional element for me. I assumed my pathway was going to be, I'm going to go to college for like undergrad with like a Bible degree or go to seminary for, for my master's. And then end up becoming a pastor somewhere.
0: Wow, you were serious about this, and
1: oh yeah, I was gung ho. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait. So when did when did things shift for you? Was there a moment, pivotal moment, where you led that deviation from your original path?
1: That deviation happened slowly, but to be honest, okay, so there are a couple of things why I decided to go into country. Some reasons for that are that I play guitar. And I was like, I play guitar. I really tried to forget this past, like this part of me, that it's that heavy, I feel like, where I tried to remove this past Christian church element.
0: Oh, so you related the guitar with your Christianity. So you were kind of compartmentalizing
1: that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's one thing. I knew growing up that I always had like a darker tone of voice, like a grittier or... You know, but I always try to sing high, yeah, and something always appealed to me about singing high, and I actually accredit that to a Christian artist named Phil Wickham. He was like a huge influence on me from two thousand seven to two thousand and twelve, and a lot of my the dynamics of my acoustic guitar playing come from me listening to how he commands the acoustic guitar not just as a stringed instrument but also as a percussive instrument and so and other reasons for going to country are that country music and like CCM, the, the like overlying genre of Christian contemporary music, like worship music, is that a lot of their chord foundations and structures are very, very similar.
0: No, oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, like you could probably find a lot of similar chord structures. Like country music, they have like faster elements as well in their playing. But yeah, like there's just so many elements that I can pull from Christian music and then CCM and then pull it into country. Mm. And also like I have a darker voice and that facial hair. Um, just like <laughs> all these like aesthetic things that just made so much sense.
0: Yeah. The darker tone is funny because so the way we created the intro music was a whole process in like a very deep spiritual way because I feel like I had been holding on to this vision for so long, but I had been waiting and looking. I just knew that with the right collaborator, something was going to come to life. And, you know, I was like very intent on kayagum. And like, it was just like, you know, it was complicated and we were trying to do it pretty quickly. And the thing that was really funny for me was that anytime you wanted to resolve the melody and I'm like, There's something off. I want something like minor, like something darker. And I think we were talking about how minor doesn't necessarily mean like this. It can be emo, it can be very, you know, dark, but dark doesn't have to mean bad. There's yin yang, like darkness serves a purpose. It's part of all our seasons, our cycles. And without the shadow work, without the dark, There cannot be light. And I think there's something really beautiful and really positive about darkness. And there's a difference between different types of darkness. So I'm just wondering if you ever thought about that part of your inclination to be drawn to like minor or like darker music. And if if there's anything that you pull from your own personal healing journey.
1: So I had a band from my 2000. 14, 15, up until 2018, one of the things that my band and I, it was called Hano, so Han and o We were basically trying to take the Han that's like the Korean understanding of this longing that becomes bitter. This longing that becomes like this emotion and desire for retribution or revenge or justification for the wrongs that were done to our ancestors as as a hermit nation coddled between like two major countries, right? And as a country and a culture that was never able to fully explore and discover itself without being bothered by other people. (laughs) And around the time of me going to like Asian American studies, I tried to explore a lot of those elements within my music. But one thing that always came up within our band was that I always made minor music. I always started music with minor. I always had music that was about longing, was about like, this is who I am here. And so actually because of music production now and a lot of like hip hop, they use a lot of minor elements. I just got drawn into it right away. And I think it's also because you know, on the yin-yang aspect as well. You know, like there's a sun, but there's also a moon. Like the sun dictates the way that we look at the, the day and then the moon, it shows us how we can navigate at night. And it's not that everything is brightly lit, but we only see like...
0: Yeah, no, i reminds me also our soil conversation. Like when we think about subconscious and what lies beneath the surface and the plant that's visible to the gardener to everyone else you know we see the flower it's a kind of like the young energy of what manifests and i feel like oftentimes we demonize darkness or we don't place any value to the inner work as much as a society that's very much do 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 masculine energy and i think i think about the soil and all the weeds that are in there and all all the non doing And I think that's a lot of the darkness that I think is so crucial to anyone's being. You bring up the Korea, Han, and our history of repeatedly being conquered throughout generations. And it's like, yeah, especially as artists or creatives, when we try to discover who we are, what our journey is, what our craft looks like what a privilege and how meaningful knowing the history of our people and the history of our country where, you know, self-discovery was maybe something the country was yearning for, but the number one thing was survival, right? And especially as a country with like barely any natural resources, like the message that was shown to me growing up was that, okay, we have no natural resources. Therefore, we need to export our brain, our education, our creations, looking at how the government. You know, invest in K-pop and all the things, and we'll have to talk about Squid Game because <laughs> because we're having a moment. We've been having a moment with Korean culture being really at the forefront. But as you know, a musician, artist, a creative who's seeing this phenomenon unfold, what does it feel like for you? Like, do you feel proud or conflicted? It's like so capitalist, you know, just the way things are pumping out. At the same time, it's just like, what a moment. How is this number one on Netflix globally, you know?
1: You know, I would love to relate that to so many things that we've just discussed and also in relation to like Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp being Mm -hmm. down today, Mm -hmm. literally today.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll frame it based off of the way that you were speaking. When you're bringing it back to the subconscious, going underneath like with our roots, one of the most annoyingly difficult things that I experienced while tilling the ground and plowing it for my dad was that there were these roots, but they were really deep. And there was like a network of them all throughout the field. And I'll be thinking like, there's no way my dad can plant here because they're so deep. And every time I try to cut it, I'm assuming they're like tree roots because there were like some huge trees that were right behind. Like I'm, I'm talking like massive. I feel like as tall as a palm tree, but a lot girthier and bigger and just super majestic. And we had like two or three or four of those in our backyard. And I think in relation to Han, in relation to subconscious, in relation to the moon, in relation to the squid games, as well as in relation to Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, like we are all deeply interconnected and that interconnection can be positive and negative. And both, like in many circumstances, right? And then the Squid Games is really interesting to me because I released an EP, like a mini album called Jurassic back in December 21, 2020. And it was all about me entering into my shadow, me entering into my subconscious, me entering into my animal realm, the dark side of me, the dark side of the moon that I'm not uh, trying to show anyone or connecting it back to the roots, like submerged under the ground. And on every release up until that point, on the album covers, I always put a number. And for that album art, I put four, five, six. Kihun. Kihun, yeah. The main character's number was four, five, six. And like, yeah. I'm into numerology, mm-hmm. I'm huge into synchronicities, I'm huge into being guided by. Repetition patterns and.
0: So, what was the message that you received from that connection with Ki Hoon, the Squid Game, and the album cover? Was it just like some sort of connection, mysterious connection, or was there some message?
1: With Squid Game, so when he got to the car, he gets gassed, and on the, the license plate of that car as well, there was also 74. So 47 means something to me. But when I say reverse numbers, it also means to go into your subconscious. I saw that car driving off. I was like, literally in that moment, I was thinking this show is about entering into the animal subconscious realm. And then when it said on his damn tracksuit, (laughs) 456, I was literally blown away. Wow. I was blown away.
0: I mean, the whole world was blown away, but you were especially blown away by maybe elements that people didn't notice (laughs) at the numerology. Wow. This is so fascinating to see so many elements of Squid Game in a sociological way. Like, even the timing that this was released and the virality of the distribution. Like, as we talk about the Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp thing going on right now, the interconnectedness, the potency of that, the power, the positive spread of joy, kindness, love that could happen. And also the danger and the scariness of a virus, right? Like coronavirus, the spread of misinformation, spread of hate. And just to see how Squid Game's like all over TikTok and It kind of scared me. Like, it was really exciting, but it was scary how, like, a phenomenon, like a show, can basically take over (laughs) like a virus. Not in a bad way, because I think it's a great show, but that's just the age that we live in. And I think we're at this inflection point where, as humans, like, we need to be really clear about our intentions before we share something because the virality that could ensue from these platforms, it can grow into its own life and consciousness. And as a musician, I feel like these days, artists blow up in one day over a random TikTok and then now they're like famous. So that's, that's the age that we live in, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a very Aquarian thing, Aquarius, like interconnectedness. Um, the internet is a very Aquarius type of innovation. I feel like I learn something from you every time we talk. And I wanted to ask you about intention. And this is more of like a learning moment for me in that I feel like every time we discuss things about the podcast or the music, I feel that for me, because I was always in such a rush to make it big, make it big, make money, get my name out there. Now I'm just kind of, because I'm learning to, integrate all these past parts of me that um like with my music and my heritage and in some parts my Asianness too. Cause even though I learned ab- about all of that with Asian American studies and the history, I think after Ethereal, I actually which is like how we met.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: I kind of tossed it away. Or I just kind of left it like in a corner where tossed the what could. Away? My, like Asian America.
0: Mm. Just so people know, Ethereal Market brought together Asian-American artists, creatives, creators, and I sold my Zen pants there. (laughs) And that's how Wesley and I met. And then years have gone by and you've evolved so much beyond that. And same for me, like we're both doing very different things than the context that we met each other. But I do think it's interesting that that's how we met and that's what brought us together. Because, I mean, this podcast is about Asian diaspora creativity and healing. And regardless of, you know, how you change your bio, the reality is that you're an Asian person in America. And I think it's just funny that like that was the foundation through which we even met. And that's the event that I think a lot of people met like in this type of way. So, I mean, to me, it was very, very meaningful, even if it's not how you identify in the current moment.
1: You know, I quite honestly think I have a lot to process. And I think talking to you as a friend, where you're very mindful about just your whole practice, your whole everything that you embody is about mindfulness, to be quite honest. And I find that when I speak with you, I'm coming to grips with the fact that I had to try to be mindful my whole life. And then I always ended up like combusting on me. I realized that in the past like two, three months that all of it was informed by my trauma when I was young. Because, you know, like I grew up under a very difficult grandma whom I now love and cherish and like we're good now. But it really doesn't take away the fact that it happened when I was super young. Some things like being physically abused and like always being in an environment where me and my mom, my sister were on our toes, like we wouldn't be able to go down to the first floor because that's where she resided in the small home. Or rather, like always feeling nervous, anxious, like her asking, What are you eating? Her asking, why are you doing your homework on the dinner table? Like just control parameters. And growing up, I realized that all of these attempts for recognition through me attempting to create works of art or creating a space for others was really this deeply embedded cry within my heart, like, someone please help me. Mm -hmm. Someone please look towards me because I'm really messed up. And when I talked to you about Intentions and like mindfulness. I feel like I learned a lot from you because it seems like everything you do, there's an intention behind it. And even like when you put up the, the Instagram post about using your throat chakra, so well-intentioned, like the colors behind it, like the vibrancy of the blue color uh, connecting to the throat chakra. Yeah. So my question after all of that context is... In light of you being like Asian American diaspora who went out to be with Buddhist monks, creating Zen pants and at the core of it, what are you trying to, what is the core frequency that resonates within you that you're trying to share with the world? Where do you feel like that comes from as Eunice, as like the founder of Sensorial, as an Asian American diaspora?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely evolves, but what I came to terms with, or what I started embracing this summer is that I'm on a mission to facilitate generational healing and healing and generational healing is not just therapy. It's not just coaching. It's all of those things, plus music, plus podcasts, books, heart-to-heart conversations. Generally, just every single truth that we all hold as human beings, whatever gifts we have, whatever voice, whatever stories we have, everything has the opportunity to be healing and whole. There's so many different ways to think about healing, but for me, I think about being whole. And being whole means that all of our chakras, all of our energies are feeling in harmony with each other, right? A big thing this past month has been for me feeling like my heart chakra is like blasted open and like feeling an overflow of love. And it was actually like the day after I felt that way that I knew I wanted to start this podcast. So my intention behind the podcast and everything that I've been creating with Sensorial has been like heart opening, heart overflow. Like How can we ground ourselves in love with everything that we create with all the stories that we tell? But then recently i've been thinking a lot about my throat chakra about how our heart chakras really hold and support the throat chakra how can we express our truth how can we access you know the sacral chakra with our creativity fertility sexuality like everything but like how can that travel up and actually manifest through our creations and also how can we access the intuition our spirituality access to source how can we channel that with an openness out through our throat. And so for me, it's been a process of finding healing, finding wholeness within myself all my life. All the stuff with Inky Zen, Zen Pants, all that stuff was like trying to find my roots, trying to find my own healing. What I set out to do wasn't to create Pants. It was to go and like discover my own spirituality, my creativity. And it just happened to turn into Pants. This past year, I thought I was going to be a therapist and all these things was a matter of unpacking like what does healing mean to me and how can I how can I use my gifts and my own story to facilitate that for at least like one person out there. But on a more macro level, like on a planetary level, like how can we all just like just feel a little bit better and like drown ourselves in love a little yeah. bit more as we think about virality. Like that's, that's why it all ties back to this whole conversation about interconnectedness, like shadow work, but also just a time that we live in right now with technology and all the platforms right now. Like what we put out, like even this conversation, right? You and I are having this conversation, but depending on the algorithms and, and marketing and whatever, this can actually reach a lot of people. And knowing the virality, it makes the intention of anything you say or anything you do express like so much more powerful. The energy that we infuse into anything, like one Instagram post, one interaction, one word can actually have such vast ripple effects because that's the age we live in. That's how people, quote unquote, make it, you know, like as a musician, as an artist, creative, especially like your personal brand, whatever, it's all through social media technology and like playing with the algorithm. And and so that's why I think mindfulness and intention and shadow work and everything that we do to self-discover and self-heal, all of those things are like so much more crucial now that we're in an age where your positive or negative energy can have extreme ripple effects across the
1: globe. No, that's really good. When you're talking about utilizing throat chakra to create through intention, it, it reminds me of frequency, like sounds. There have been tests that you could look on YouTube where they put these kind of like vibrating, resonating sound machines and they put sand or like water on top of it. And they can literally see, as soon as they put on a certain like frequency and tone of sound, there are these geometric shapes that kind of like come up perfectly depending on the frequency that's created. And going back to like the lotus flower, how it's so perfect in the way that it's, it's shaped like even with snowflakes, they are so geometrically perfect when you look at them, like nothing is ever the same. Isn't that so, that's so crazy to me in that the way that our universe and world is constructed is that there's perfection at at these like microscopic levels that we often ignore. And with the throat chakra, what I realized is that when we speak, when we sing, and when we do it with intentions, like as sharp and as specific as the, the end of a needle, like a pin, like you were saying, like if you were just to drop that on the floor and hear that, that drop mm. into a room and you hear mm-hmm. that resonance, that's quite literally the power of our voices. And it's very interesting to see how today three of the world's biggest communication platforms are down. And
0: And owned by one entity. (laughs) Yeah. The snowflake thing really reminds me of how I just see people in general. And everyone is perfect in their own way, in the sense that everyone is whole, can be whole. That's what we're meant to be. The man-made conditions of our society, depending on how you were born into this world, depending on what color, whatever, there's all these things that chip away at our wholeness. And when we talk about trees, I think it was Ram Das, but it's like there's so many different types of trees, right? Species, cricket trees, like big sequoia, like whatever. But we don't look at a tree and it's like, oh, how come it doesn't look like the sequoia tree? Like obviously it's not a sequoia tree. And there's no one standard of like what perfection or wholeness looks like. But in our mame society, we kind of have that, right? why is it that we have so much trouble viewing each other as trees or snowflakes with unique geometric patterns that are all perfect in their own way? And I think, you know, I just wish in an age where things are so rapidly, so vastly communicated and replicated and like remixed, I wish like people could just tune into their own unique energetic blueprint and gift and to be In love with that so that whatever we all say it comes from a place of love the sacred geometry of sounds is so interesting to me because like you said whatever we say with our voice like a word music whatever it is it has a physical cellular impact on many humans around the world and that's the power of intention
1: I have this line in that song, Putzifly, that I mentioned. And in the song, I'm saying, singing seasons into existence, singing a reality into our world. And let me just kind of quickly tie it back to that original question of how did I deviate as a musician? I grew up thinking I was just going to be a worship leader my whole life doing pastoral work. In 2014, I was given an offer and an opportunity through my my friend, Ezra Son. He did his dissertation on understanding why do first, second generation Korean and Chinese Americans leave their home churches, their first generation churches. He was my mentor. We would have questions every week about what does it mean to be Asian? I owe so much of what I'm doing now to him as well. And he had invited me to this church where we're trying to create a pathway to faith for Asian Americans who had left the church. In 2017, July, I had like a major faith crisis. And then at that point, I was like, do I actually believe in God? <laughs> and so in 2018, that's where like, I released my EP called Simple Words. And around that time is also when an, me and my partner at the time, Um, as well as my other friend set out to do ethereal. And so ethereal to me was almost like this last ditch effort, this attempt to see like everything that I kind of gave my life for these past four years while struggling to fundraise, while living off like $750 a month, while racking up credit card debt, while enduring a lot of physical pain. If I play guitar for 20 minutes, my hands, they would be at like 50% strength. Like even holding a cup would hurt my hands. And I would have like tendinitis and carpal tunnel. Like some days the pain will alternate between my index finger, my thumb and my pinky. Because you were
0: playing the guitar?
1: I think depression, anxiety, literally hating myself. Playing the guitar literally hurt me. It literally hurt me. And something that I wanted to love and something I wanted to get better at, I couldn't withstand the pain. And so kind of like bring all that into context. Me looking for my country in the context of like the Squid Games in Korea going worldwide in regards to virality, in regards to understanding that speaking, verbalizing with intention is literally the act of creation. And so when I say I'm looking for my country, I quite literally want to, through song, and through my skills of music and the worship leading, I want to be able to unite people in song and sing a new world into existence. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's done. It's done. <laughs> and that's the country I'm looking for.
0: So Wesley, what is your wildest dream? Without any limitations or barrier, what is your wildest dream?
1: I believe in world peace. I actually believe in it on an astrological level of where we're heading in the Aquarian age. I believe it can happen through sound and song. Like I'm referring to like Michael Jackson's song, We Are The World. How music, like it unites generations, it unites people, it transcends like ethnic boundaries, generations, like young and old. I've seen it happen in the context of like worship settings. And so I'm bringing all of my experiences into what I believe. I believe it will be a reality. I believe that world peace will literally be a reality. That's my wildest dream.
0: My final question to you for now is, what message would you like to share with your younger self? And what message do you think your younger self needed to hear?
1: I feel like my younger self is asking me to say this. I wish I could have told my younger self to do yoga, to eat properly, to hydrate properly, like drink a lot of water, not eat so much junk food, fast food, and like exercise a bit more. Cause I think if I did all of those things, like I'm thankful for where I am today. But if my younger self, whether I was 10 or 15 or 20 or 25, like I feel like things would have felt maybe a lot easier because I always felt so contained by my body.
0: Yeah. Nourishing your physical body, because you mentioned that since you were younger, you've always been sensitive and probably felt your emotions like coursing through, right. Your body and the science that we know now, of course, is the emotions are tied to our body and our physical sensations. And it seems like the message that you're trying to tell your younger self is like, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, but let's nourish you (laughs) with the water, with the yoga, with the food, like all that stuff because your body as a vessel contains all those emotions. And if the emotions don't have anywhere to go, then that's painful.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like as big as a dream that you asked me about, it'll only be accomplished by doing those daily activities of quite literally taking care of myself.
0: Yeah. The individual healing is collective healing, just as it collective healing is individual healing. And I think that's the whole metaphor. I feel like of our entire conversation is like the pin, you know, like the pin is the point of the ripples. And if we don't take care of the pin, then the ripples... Will feel the pain of the
1: needle.
0: Wesley, where can people find you and support
1: you? Well, Instagram's down. So uh, <laughs>
0: when Instagram's back up.
1: <laughs> when Instagram's back up. If, if it is. <laughs> yeah, at o-o-g-a-h dot xyz, uga.xyz. Uh, that's my artist name. So that's also my website name as well.
0: Thank you so much, Wesley, for coming on Sensorial. And I'm so excited for all the things that you have percolating. Thank you so much.
1: No, thank you so much for being you, for starting this and for bringing me along your journey as well. Thank you.
0: Hope you enjoyed the episode and remember to subscribe to the podcast and follow the journey on Instagram and TikTok at unis.ks. Thank
1: you. Bye.